I don't want to harp on the like ask for help thing because that's a big ask for someone who's in that place. But I will harp on the keep it in the back of your mind or the front of your mind if you can that there is hope and options. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, well, we are not very good at it. So, one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations, and hopefully better conversations, with attempt survivors. Now, we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I would love to talk. You can email us, hello at suicidenoted.com or reach out on Facebook or Twitter at suicidenoted. Quick thanks to everybody who has been listening since July. Huge thanks for tuning in and listening to these stories by these survivors. If you'd like to help us out, there's a couple of things you can do. You can let people know about the podcast. If you listen on Apple, you can rate and review it. That really helps people find it. And if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution, our Patreon link is in the show notes. Regardless of what you choose to do, listening is enough. So thank you. Today, I am talking with Danny. Danny lives in New Mexico, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Danny. Danny, where do you uh, where do you reside? If you're comfortable sharing that, what state? Um, I'm out of New Mexico. Got it. So I'm wondering what compelled you to reach out. That's a good question. I think that as far as like everyone's unique experience goes, whether it's about mental health things or Otherwise, the beauty of an experience is kind of sharing it with other people, because I think in my own mental health journey and experiences and stuff, knowing that I wasn't alone and that Mm -hmm. this was unique to me, but also not very unique to me is kind of a powerful thing to be aware of. And Mm. if I can further extend that to other people, then that's just that's the thing for me, I guess. For sure. It's unique to you, but it's not. I think I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You have one attempt? It's always kind of hard for me to like try to think about when I explain it. Like, cause you know, doctors ask that too, or, you know, whoever's in your care team, stuff like that. Um, I have one, I guess, concrete attempt, but there were several years where I was passively doing things that were dangerous or like doing things without really much care of whether or not I was safe or not because Mm -hmm. I was dealing with the suicidal ideation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things are we talking about? Uh, I was drinking a lot. Uh, um, it ranged anywhere from like simple, but still not good things like not wearing my seatbelt to taking too much of a certain medication and not really caring if I woke up or not. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of kind of reckless behavior. So there have been times in my life where I'm not wearing a seatbelt, like yesterday, for example, right? <laughs> I'm just I'm just kind of being lazy and stupid, but whatever. Right. There's other times where I've not been wearing a seatbelt. I'm like, fuck it. Exactly. Does that kind of both apply to you or one more than the other? Just depended on the day? Yeah, it probably kind of depended on the day. And during the time frame, like where I was doing that kind of stuff and like feeling that way more often than not, Mm -hmm. it was more the latter of fuck it, whatever's going to go down, I guess, you know, let's see what happens. Right. Because um, yeah. otherwise, I'm pretty uh, pretty much a stickler about seatbelts, but that, that's a whole different thing. There's other examples. That was the one I chose, right? But you were talking about <laughs> some other stuff. And so sh- share with me and, and uh, by proxy, the listeners, uh, about the one sort of, what did you call it? Sort of, I don't know if you said formal attempt or serious attempt. I'm not sure how you framed it. Yeah, like a concrete attempt. But yeah, it was attempt. a more formal, like uh, very pointed, intentional 
Yeah. Open sort of, hey, however you want to share that, but I'd, I'd like to hear more about that. So I was living in an apartment at the time with my then fiance and a couple of buddies were hanging out. I can't remember if they lived with us at the time or not, but that's not important. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was a few people there with us and I had been going through all the junk that kind of comes with that. Like I was depressed and anxious and dealing with a bunch of other stuff that we can get into when we get into it. But we were all hanging out in the living room and all of a sudden it was, I was already feeling suicidal off and on around that time, Mm -hmm. but it was almost like, like Mm. a switch flipped. Mm. Uh, We were hanging out and I was already depressed, but it was like a switch flipped. I was like, okay, I'm done. And I almost kind of just checked out in my head. I excused myself from the room and I attempted to overdose. Back up for one sec. So that's a a switch flipped, right? I'm not a doctor. Shocker. I know, right? Look at me. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people mistaken me for a doctor. I know that you're surprised. When you say a a, a switch flip, what do you mean? Well, it's interesting to talk about too, and even me to think about in retrospect, because I think I had been leading up to that point and I had already like engaged in, like we said, the reckless behavior. I had already been dealing with stuff. I had already been in therapy to an extent, but very newly so. So I think I had just, I was just tired. I was tired of the way I was feeling. I was physically tired and I was tired of like trying to um, socialize and feel okay and happy, I guess, or like put on this happy, brave face. Uh, that I had told myself I needed to do. No one imposed that on me. And, it's tiring, Danny. It is. It's tiring. Yeah. So it? I think I was just tired and I decided, you know, yeah, time, not right now is as good as time as any, I guess. <laughs> not mm. great, but. I, I'm not in a role to judge or put any words to him, man. I think, uh, if anything, I admire people's strength to just survive when a lot of whatever's going on in their life is saying not to. I think it's amazing. I agree. Um, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get on a rant. No one gives a shit about Sean's thoughts about all this stuff. I'm here for you. But, you know, we, we celebrate people who put their energy and efforts. And as a result are, you know, uh, they want to race or they climb the mountain. But we don't really talk a lot about all the effort. That's not very sexy or interesting that goes into simply not ending your life for people. Often. Right. Right. Not, that's not like something. That's not a conversation. Well, it is here. <laughs> at least one place i'm sure there are others so you went into the bathroom and there are people in the spa- in the apartment mm-hmm. and you go into the bathroom and you take pills mm-hmm. i don't know how detailed you go into the on the podcast or what kind of like x rating you've got or not <laughs> um, well let me let me let me let me share with you respond to that real quick we're edit i can edit things out and that goes for what anything you want to share, right? And you can say, hey, I want to undo that thing. That's fine. I don't want to give necessarily people formulas for how to do something that, that may not already be on their radar, right? Right. Uh, but I think that's very rare. There's a thing called Google. Uh, if people want to find ways to die, they can find a way to die. I'm, so I, I think it helps for you in as much as you're comfortable to share what happened mainly because I know there are other people out there going through a lot of shit. And when they hear this stuff, it makes them feel a little less shitty or a little less alone. So go as graphic as you're comfortable. And then I can always sort of tweak it out if we need to. Okay. That's fair. That makes sense. It's a long answer, man. God. (laughs) No, you're good. So yeah, I excused myself uh, to the bathroom and I had during this time, like I said, it was the very beginning of my, Uh, mental health journey as far as like formal treatments and things. I had just started going to therapy and getting psychiatric care and medications. So I had a slew of medications that I was both taking at the time and had been taken off of that -hmm. I hadn't gotten rid of yet because you don't want to just toss that. So I had this whole medicine cabinet of choices and I thought, you know what sounds great? I guess a cocktail. So I took just a handful from a variety of things. I couldn't even tell you the details now. That was several years ago. Bunch of pills. Um, Yeah. Bunch of pills not meant to necessarily be consumed all at the same time. (laughs) Exactly. That's And I went to bed Mm -hmm. and I laid there for a while and was like, wow, I feel even shittier than I did a minute ago. But I'm really, really tired. And my then fiance, he's my husband now, a mm. spoiler, <laughs> then fiance came in and he was like, hey, babe, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Because he knew kind of what I was going through. 
and was just checking in on me because I had disappeared for a while. And I just was like, I was responsive, but visibly out of it, I guess. And I don't super remember at this point, except that somehow the message was conveyed between him and I that that had taken place or mm-hmm. something like that had taken place. And he took me to the emergency room. Okay. All right. Keep going. I'm, this is a great story. You know what I mean? Great. I mean, like, right. <laughs> I'm not thrilled that you had this, but it did happen. And I'm really, you know, I wouldn't have a podcast if I wasn't curious about this stuff. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. What happens after that? So you get to the hospital. He takes me to the emergency room and my like buddies are still in the apartment. Right. So he takes me from our bedroom through the apartment and they're like, Hey, what's going on? Where are you guys going? Cause it's late at night. It's in the middle of the freaking night. Mm. And they're like, where the hell are you guys going? And I don't think we really answered them at that point. That wasn't his priority, obviously. Uh, so he gets me in the truck and he takes me to the ER and I'm not, and I remember being so upset because previously to this, not long before this, or maybe somewhere in this time frame, I had actually worked with the hospital. So I knew people that worked there. I had coworkers there and buddies in every department. So there was that factor. And then just the factor, like everything else already like compounding with that. And so I'm freaking out on the way there, but I'm so like muted and tired and falling like having trouble staying conscious and so he takes me into the emergency room and he tries to tell them at the desk what's going on and they're not picking up what he's putting down because he's trying to be you know discreet but serious Mm. and long already long story short the next like real memories I have are all the interactions I had with like the nurses and the doctor and things like that Mm. But which that's a whole interesting thing of itself. And I've also been hospitalized multiple occasions, like inpatient psychiatric care that mm-hmm. I'm happy to uh, talk about if you're curious about those things. But curious about everything. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a whole, whole so, list of stories. <laughs> you know, well, man, one of my challenges as I've learned and I've done the podcast more and more is. I'm curious about everything. I don't know if the listeners want to know everything. Mm-hmm. I got to figure that. That's my challenge. What do I want to figure? You know, figuring out. It's 2021. People don't have uh, you know two and a half hours to listen to anything. Um, right. That's the challenge, unfortunately, because we all have all of our stories. For us, it's like I could go on for days. Right, it's your whole life. Mm-hmm. All right. Exactly. So, what was especially? I think the word you used was interesting, if I'm not mistaken, about the conversations you had with the doctors or nurses at the emergency room. It was interesting uh, to me anyways, uh, the different reactions from different individuals, but also common themes. I'm a psych major, so maybe I'm also just like super nosy about why people respond the way they do to things. But uh, it was interesting because like the nurses and stuff, everyone was very great for the most part. They were super compassionate. They did their Mm -hmm. best to make me comfortable and like treat the situation the way they needed while still valuing me as the individual, which I greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, Even more so than I realized at the time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um, they did have, they had someone watch me uh, like sit with me to make sure, you know, I didn't continue to like be a danger to myself. And it was just a random person. I think they were from the housekeeping staff because they, uh, that's who was available. And so this person sat with me, no formal training in um, this kind of situation or topic, really. But she just sat and asked me about my life. You know, what do you do? Uh, Have you read this book? What do you like to do? Uh, That was interesting. And probably one of the more powerful things that someone did for me that night uh, was just talking to me like someone you're sitting in a waiting room with. There's no form. You don't need formal training for that. Exactly. You don't need Uh, it. I'm tired of hearing that. Not from you. You don't need formal training to just engage with somebody who's in a little pain. You really mm-hmm. don't. Engage, have a little bit of compassion, empathy. Right. A hundred percent. That's where I would go off on a tangent. If I were on the other end of this call, <laughs> I'd be like, I got four hours of stuff I got to say. So I'll yeah. leave it at that. But I'm glad that that person was there for you. And I'm also glad, I always ask, like, who are the people that said stupid shit? Un- un- well. Not helpful shit. <laughs> Even the ones that meant well, like your mom or your brother or your fiance or whoever else. Right. I think, I mean, the juxtaposition is so interesting because the person with the quote unquote least formal training was probably the most memorably helpful on the other side of the spectrum. The person I had the most issue with that night was the actual doctor. Yep. 
<laughs> which probably isn't surprising at this point with the direction we're going. But the doctor, you know, he, I don't remember a ton of the conversation like details because I was uh, medicated. <laughs> and, but he, his attitude, his demeanor, and he asked me things like, well, what the hell, what the hell is so bad? Like, what's your deal? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, Danny, I want to tell you something right now. I applaud you. I don't know if you were being held down against your will. If someone pulled that shit with me, I would walk the fuck out. I don't know that I could walk at this point, but. I'm telling you what you should have done. And that would, I would just be like, get the fuck away from me. But that's Mm -hmm. me now years later. And I've become a grumpy old man. So don't be like me. (laughs) That's reasonable though. That's That's fair, right? Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate the validation. Um, (laughs) Anytime. So you dealt with this guy who I'm sure in his own way was doing as best he could or whatever his training was or his mm-hmm. however, whatever, whoever he, this guy was, the doctor. Anyone else other than the doctor that was like, you're like, wait, what? That night, I think it was mostly the doctor. I've had other like psychiatrists and stuff and inpatient and things like that who were even worse. But as far as that attempt and that ER visit, VIP, like, the star of the show was housekeeping lady and right. my most difficult person was definitely the doctor who actually let me go home and didn't keep me on a hold that night or put me in any kind of inpatient. He just sent me home fine and dandy because apparently what all I took, the uh, biggest uh, concern after they got a hold of poison control, my biggest worry was uh, an erection lasting longer than four hours, which they weren't worried about, obviously, for me. So... Uh, I was fine, and they let me go, according to them. Well, can I just, can we go back for a second? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry if I'm not understanding this clearly. You tried to kill yourself. I did. Okay. Just making sure that, that, okay. I'm not suggesting that if one tries to kill themselves, they absolutely need to be hospitalized. Right. So it sounds as if once they got the, the, the meds worked out, right? Well, you're going to flush them out or however they got them out. You're good. Yeah, it was in the uh, the tiny bit of shock that uh, I think I see on your face is exactly kind of everyone's reaction and mine as well, because the state Mm -hmm. I was in, I obviously (laughs) in retrospect, I know I should not have been let to go home. I was grateful in the moment. I was like, fuck, yeah, get me out of here. Sure, sure. Uh, I don't want to go to the hospital. I had never right. been an inpatient at this time. I didn't know what to expect or like right. how helpful it could be, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go home. That's all I wanted. So I was able to convince the doctor. I was like, look, man, I have a therapist. I'll see him on Tuesday. It's no biggie. Obviously, I'm fine now. Uh, temporary lap in judgment. Don't worry about me. And he decided to take <laughs> my word for it. Someone who, <laughs> I mean, wasn't maybe the most rational at the moment. Uh, and said, okay, arguably, yeah, if you say ar- so. Ar- arguably, yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know the state laws, and I don't know much about this, uh, so I can't talk intelligently about it, but certain laws, like in North Carolina, if, if you've tried to end your life and they let you go and then you end your life, within 48 hours, they get penalized heavily, right? That's their main right. incentive, financial incentive. If that applies in any way, shape, or form to New Mexico, even from just a sort of practical point of view, that, that's a head scratching move. That's yeah, not my agreed. main perspective. Typically, I'm thinking of it more from a human point of view, but you just don't hear that very often. You automatically think, OK, I'm going to the hospital or some kind of official place or what, what have Something. you. I'm going to be on a hold, at least. I've Maybe had you're... buddies or acquaintances that had to be on a mandatory 24 to 48 hour hold. In right. the same hospital in the same state, you know what I mean? So I think there is something akin to that. I, obviously, I'm not uh, proficient in legal terms, but sure. no, no, uh, I, I don't no. know what happened. We are not doctors or lawyers yet. People are listening to us, so <laughs> go figure. Um, yeah. was, your, was your fiance there at the hospital? He was. He did go with me, and he tried to come back with me, and I wanted him to because, you know, we're he's my support system. Right. Uh, but he was made to wait in the waiting room. Yes, we should exclude support systems from people's life when we can. Right. That was turning my in, this, this episode's turning into like Sean sarcasm. <laughs> Nobody oh, wants I'm to hear that either. sarcasm. No Nobody worries. Wants to hear this either, but maybe that's the direction the podcast is going. I was just actually on a, you know, Clubhouse. It's like a new app that a lot of people are using for connecting. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just invited to this room and it was like, 
mental health advocates, but they were all like kind of funny, but not tasteless funny. Not like the really mm-hmm. bad stand up comic where you're like, oh, my God, like kind of funny around mental health. I was like, I think I just found my tribe. Finally, right? I'm not fucking I mean, I'm, you are my, you're going to be like my 45th interview, more or less. If you hear the show, I'm not dicking around. I'm not funny about any of this. I take it pretty seriously, but it's we could find some levity in moments, right? Yeah, like if you can't laugh, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> so, what is your husband's uh, or then fiance? But you did ruin the surprise, so I know you're married to him now. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does he say to his then fiance, who I am going to assume he loves very much, when she comes to? What's that conversation like? I think he initially, his main thing was, how are you feeling? And he put a little emphasis at first on like, how are you feeling physically? Mm-hmm. Like, are you, are you still tired? You know, what do you, and, but a lot of the theme continued to be from, from there and continues to be now, what do you need? That's a phrase that we lean on very strongly uh, to just make sure we're addressing like our emotional, physical, all those things. Mm-hmm. Addressing needs instead of assuming I'm helping by doing something. I love it. Yeah, I love it. What do you need? And what did you need? I think I just, I, yeah, I needed to know that he was with me mm-hmm. on this. Whatever it looked like, whatever tomorrow looked like, whatever, regardless, despite what I did, because there was a lot of shame associated with that kind of thing, right? Uh, uh, I just needed to yeah. re- reassurance and validation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was ready and willing to give that to me. Yeah, I I don't have any data on this, but I'm sure one huge difference in people sort of trying again is having at least one person like your fiance was with you. Mm-hmm. That's probably just the, an absolute game changer. Absolutely. It's got, to be. it's got to be. It's got to be. You can't you can't pull this shit off alone. I mean, nobody can. Right. So I know I'm skipping around a lot, but I'm I'm writing stuff down. I like this sort of story. I like how you're very honest, which I really appreciate. And you've laughed at a couple of things I said, which I appreciate even more. <laughs> that's always like a great, you, you know, that's what I need. Uh, I'm just right. for that. What, so I, always, I ask people sometimes a really hard question. It's actually one of the questions you're not supposed to ask, but you know, I think it's okay that I ask. When you think back to the stuff you were dealing with growing up, Right. I know you didn't get into your your childhood, your teen years. And how old are you, by the way? I'm 26. Okay. So you said you were going through stuff, stuff that led in part to you doing reckless things, right? Those were, I think, your Mm -hmm. words. And then ultimately it leads to whatever sort of circuitous route it takes to that particular night. Is there behind all of that a why, a W-H-Y? I know that's a tough question. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you would say, yeah, I think it's because of this or these things? Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, of course, I'm still in school studying psychology. So again, we're not professionals here, but no, never. <laughs> I think a lot of it stemmed from my own undiagnosed and untreated uh, mental illnesses, because at this point in my life, I am diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder type two and depression and anxiety that are kind of comorbidity with that. And then later on, I developed uh, PTSD from other things. But I had -hmm. been dealing off and on with like the quote unquote, like mood swings Mm -hmm. uh, throughout my life. And having them undiagnosed and not understanding what was going on, let alone treating it. I just was like, okay, sometimes I'm okay. And sometimes I'm not. And Mm -hmm. it's just like this whirlwind of the back and forth. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at that point, I had started therapy and stuff, but I had gone years and years and years kind of digging my heels into the like ineffective coping and all that kind of stuff. So it was going to take a lot longer than like some months of therapy to unravel some of that, some of the junk you just kind of pick up through life. So I think it was mostly that stuff with, of course, environmental factors of like, money struggling and you know family stuff or what mm-hmm. have you work stress all the stuff that life likes to yeah. dish out i might i think it dishes it out harder to some than others for reasons i'm not clear on you know mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. people seem to have a little smoother path but it gets complicated and mucked yeah. up just because people who are hearing this you used a couple of slightly jargony words 
bipolar type two is the one that how does that manifest as opposed to type one? From my understanding and my own personal experience anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, the way I had it explained to me is that it's more heavy on the side of depression. Like it's you swing back and forth between depression and mania and you Mm -hmm. qualify for type one if you have manic episodes more severely and more frequently. Um, And mine is more heavy on the depression side with some hypomania, which is basically just a lesser extent of mania. Got it. And did you use the word comorbidity? <laughs> I, I, did I hear point, that word said, correctly? Yes, yes, you did. Can you please expand on that just a little bit? Comorbidity is a term used when you talk about diseases, physical or mental, uh, that tend to occur together. Either they're more likely to happen or they kind of cause each other to happen. Like a lot of times people who have depression will also have anxiety and they're not super clear on if one causes the other or if they're just more frequently occurring at the same time. But that's what that means. I call it a clusterfuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, who the hell knows at this point what the hell is going on? Oh, man. All right. So some people you said responded fiance, among others, favorably, positively, in a way that was helpful. Yes. I don't mean positively like, yay, you're great. I mean, that might be part of the conversation, but in a way, what do you need, right? That type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Others didn't. We referenced the doctor. In my mind, I have this path. I'm like, oh, she's at the hospital. Now she's home. I don't think I actually asked you when this took place. It was a couple of years ago now, and I think it was around... Oh man, as far as yeah, I can spout random like terminology, but timelines are rough and fuzzy for me. A couple years ago. Uh, it was a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple years ago, just to get a sense. If it was last week, it's a slightly different conversation. Right. Which I have had one of those and I was very uncomfortable. I didn't really know how to do it, but she was fine. All right. So two now, two years on, I'm going to throw out a couple things. Tell me if I'm accurate. Things aren't perfect. Right. Fair? Fair. You haven't tried again, right? Correct. Because I'm a math man and you say when you did it once, I can put the math together. Uh, How has your life been very broad and open from that day at the hospital coming home and now you're on a podcast with a bald man? (laughs) Well, short answer. Wow. Life is beautiful today compared to it was two years ago, Mm. Uh, or at least my perspective of it believes that. But a little longer version is definitely tumultuous between then and now a lot of up and down a lot of times where i thought wait this is way worse than that day uh but also a lot of times that reminded me hey they're not always like that day i went through a lot of extensive therapy between then and now right um i did in fact see my therapist that tuesday after or whatever it was you did actually go oh yeah yeah i did uh, because my husband or my then fiance got a hold of my therapist and said, Hey, here's the deal. Don't let her just slide past that one. <laughs> was it, what did he or she say when they learned of this? This is interesting because I think some therapists have a weird response to it. This is just what people have shared with me, right? Oh, I failed mm-hmm. you. I didn't do my job. And then it gets weird. So how were they? It was not what I expected. I, don't know why I thought he was going to be upset or angry with me. That was probably my own thing projecting onto him. But he was like, okay, it's important that you share this kind of stuff with me because the more I know about your behavior, the more we can work on changing it. Uh, So thank you for telling me. Let's talk about it a little bit more and uh, move forward in a way that prevents that from taking place again. And you said in those two years, as you've tried to figure it out, you've gone to treatment, therapy, which you said was helpful. I believe mm-hmm. medication mm-hmm. medication. Yes. Yeah. Has that been helpful? Uh, yeah. I think the medication journey was a lot harder for me because I'm notoriously a terrible, like I am kind of regrettably non-compliant with medications. I'm forgetful. I don't like side effects, you know, all the stuff people yeah. have problems with. Yeah. Um, I think medication is super important and, but yeah, it's overall been helpful. And it also t- it takes a lot to figure out the right combination, right? What's going to work for you? Because everyone's so different. And that so might that change. One, exactly. Like and you it get has, older and your body changes and things. It's like, yeah, right. Yeah. So that one's a little more of a wonky, windy road. But mm-hmm. yeah, that, that was helpful, a helpful tool along the way as well. 
You had said earlier that you've had several stays at, I, I don't want to use the words incorrectly, a mental health facility of some kind, right? Where you stayed overnight at yes. least for one night. How many times? <laughs> Four. Okay. It obviously ties into this conversation. It's all part of this larger narrative mm-hmm. of you're just trying to get by and mm-hmm. you're doing the best you can. Were, were they helpful? Was any part of it helpful, harmful, something else? I will say in the long run, yes, they were uh, exponentially helpful. In the moment, there's a lot of things about those places, the specific facilities I stayed at, you know, whatever that I had problems with. But Mm -hmm. I will say if the purpose of the place was to keep me safe, it accomplished its purpose. And there's countless things that I learned in those stays, people I met, you know, stuff like that, that did benefit me long term as well. Is there one thing in particular you can recall that you learned from that stay? And I share that only because you never know who hears this stuff and might take something with it and run. Right. I think one of the biggest things that I come to off the top of my head Mm. is uh, I had a lot of help identifying my own triggers and a lot of help identifying what things would help me cope in those moments when I was triggered by something, uh, either struggling with depression or anxiety or otherwise. and goal setting, actually, that seems like such a simple, benign thing. Sure. But when you don't think you're going to live past 18, <laughs> goals aren't really a thing that's on your radar. And it right. makes it hard to do the day to day. So goal setting and like getting to sit down and actually be taught, like, tell me, teach this to me, like I'm five was super beneficial for me. I still struggle a lot with both of those. And I am noticing, yeah, I'm noticing recognizing the triggers, even when they're like, wait, that's a trigger? What? Mm -hmm. Why is that? Like, you wouldn't think that's a trigger, right? This is for Mm -hmm. me. And then how to cope. Those are massive for sure. You know, I I have to say, uh, you're probably going to be, I'm sure you would have regardless been an effective or a good therapist, but I bet all this stuff you've gone through is going to make you much better. Thank you. I I hope so. I mean, nobody wants a therapist who hasn't been there, right? I don't, I shouldn't say that. Right. It's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. The power of experience. Oh, yeah. What are some myths? I always ask, like myths where it's like, no, that not maybe myths, bullshit myths, right? Like, give, like people will often say, it's, I, you know what? I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to front load it. What are some myths or misunderstandings around? And it could be a little bit larger than just suicide or suicide attempts, ideating, even depression, anxiety that you, you've dealt with. And you're like, nah, that's bullshit. I think top of my list is one that does relate directly to like suicide or suicide attempts. And it's the, the misconception and the like idea people have that you don't want to talk about it or like boldly say like, hey, are you suicidal? Or hey, are you planning on killing yourself? Like, the myth that if I say it, it's going to put it in their head. Yeah. Bullshit. If it's in their head, it's already there and you're not going to invent it into their head. Like, yes, let's both say it. If anyone hears this and that's a concern, Danny in New Mexico and Sean in North Carolina are saying bull shit. Fair. Bullshit. Fair. Bullshit. Important. Mm -hmm. Others, others come to mind. Maybe just the idea that a piece of paper doesn't make someone the most qualified to be helpful, but that's a whole thing we can soapbox about. It's a whole nother <laughs> podcast probably, but I'm happy to have that conversation. <laughs> just to be clear, there's plenty of people who are licensed that are very good. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. There are also an astounding number of people who are really not good. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying it. you don't need to necessarily agree. And I don't want you to start burning bridges before you're even a certified, uh, licensed therapist, but. Right. I kind of worry about that sometimes. Like right. I got a lot of shit to talk y'all. You better be able to hang. <laughs> Not that many people are here in this podcast, but it is growing. Let's be careful. here. Denny needs to get a job. <laughs> right. Right. You, know, you don't want like, you don't want the Dean of your school whispering in your ear as you're walking across the stage. Like, it's going to be a tough road for you, kiddo. Yeah, you kind of. You done, you done fucked up on that episode. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. So how long have you been married? Uh, we are going on two years now. Congratulations. Thank you. That's really good. So it's you and your fiance. You live in the state of New Mexico. 
You are going to be a therapist, psychotherapist, counselor? Uh, yeah, I'm wanting to be a, a licensed clinical social worker, but being able to practice as like a therapist in a private practice. All right. Or at least in a clinical setting. Given the fact that I, I never really know who's listening, right? I certainly don't know the details of their lives, but I imagine mm-hmm. it's a sort of mix of people who are in pain and suffering, others who are maybe they're, they know somebody, but a sort of open-ended question of like, hey, what would you say to our listeners, whoever they may be? I'm putting you on the spot here. That's a tough one. Yeah, like my eyebrows are sweating. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's actually, the, that's what I'm always going for. Okay, good. That's well, my goal. So I'm glad we achieved that already. <laughs> I talked about a little bit earlier that, you know, the reason I reached out is that there is power and experience and knowing that your situation and your life story is unique, but it's also not just unique to you. And there is power in knowing and being aware that everyone has their struggle, some more than others. I, you know what? I would put money on it and I would 100% guarantee there's someone out there that can relate to some part of what you're dealing with. There's so many people on this planet. There's so many people in just our country that there are resources and opportunity for you to be able to talk to someone and relate to them. And I don't want to harp on the like ask for help thing because that's a big ask for someone who's in that place. So I won't necessarily harp on that, but I will harp on the keep it in the back of your mind or the front of your mind if you can, that there is hope and options, I guess, for that. Hmm. Isn't it so hard though? I appreciate what you shared. I completely agree. If you heard those words on that night in that apartment, but you know, just before you went into the bathroom, it's like, would that have connected with you or resonated? You know, that's the rub, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was just super powerful that I did already know that someone was in my corner. Yeah. So suppose I was in my apartment by myself. Yep. Uh, I don't know that it would have went down the same way that it did, obviously, because my husband's the one that made me go to the hospital. So who knows? But at the same time, like when you're in that place, like I was surrounded by people who loved me mm-hmm. and was still in that place. You know, there's I have, it's very multifaceted. It is. Yeah. I have no data on this. It may be out there if it, if such a thing could be you know researched or measured. But I think the one if there's the, the biggest difference is is having at least one person. Mm-hmm. Like I, that's just for me. It's like that's the thing. And and people who don't have that, I, I don't I don't know how they do it. I admire them. I was just talking to somebody earlier this week. She's going to be on an episode in Alaska. She's got some family and friends. I'm sharing this aloud because she shared it aloud. So it's sort of in that sense public. She's got some family. They don't really talk about it. She's mostly going it alone. And I'm just like, man, that has got to be absolutely brutal. I don't have the words, you know? Yeah. I wonder. Do you think there's a a light, a possibility that you'll try again? Uh, Of course, we don't want to think that, right? Right. (laughs) No one wants to think like, no, wait, we're past that. But I do try to be you know, self-aware and realistic enough to know that there is always a possibility because like, even just thinking about the past several years, the ups and downs are, are so brutal and back and forth that of course there's a possibility. Uh, and that's why I think it's so important to, when you're not in that place, <laughs> continue, like kind of stretch your, mu- like work those muscles and exercise the things that you learn to cope with them in the good times so that it's easier to maybe rely on them if you're in that place. I'd like to think that, of course, there's a possibility that could happen again, but I'd like to believe that I would be more well-equipped to address it a little differently if I was in that place. I'd like to think. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, I I, that makes complete sense. I I never ask all the questions, and I never ask always the questions. Every time I get off a call, I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Should have asked Danny this guy. Are there things that you thought about either before or during our talk that you really wanted to talk about that just may not have come up. I want us to give you this uh, platform to talk about it. That's a good question. I had all kinds of things floating around in my head before our call because I wasn't super sure the direction we'd take, but now like we're in this direction, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. We usually get to most stuff. My brain is now trained to a lot of the the stuff that I want to get to, whatever the route is. I would like, like if it fits in anywhere well, 
Um, yeah. I would like to kind of put a little bit of an emphasis on, because you asked me if it was beneficial when I uh, spent some time inpatient. Yeah. And I have mixed feelings about it, of course, because nobody wants to hang out in a hospital in paper clothes and color with crayons. I mean, maybe you do. I It was okay to a point, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say when or if that is an option or if it's not an option and it's mandatory for some reason, um, there's a lot of benefit that can be gained from it. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, it, it sucked. It wasn't the most ideal like vacation by any means. But again, if it's a matter of life or death and you need that support, that round the clock, some kind of support and just, you know, something to lean on a little bit. And that is an option. I understand a lot of the fear and stigma associated with it. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I was terrified all four times that I went. But after the first time, uh, the other three times, they were mm-hmm. voluntary admissions because I was like, hey, this is the point I'm at. And this is uh, going to be the best option for me. Yeah. So I would say, uh, although it's scary, uh, don't let fear of the unknown get in the way of seeking the best treatment for yourself. Agreed. It seems like our culture, for the most part, and this, the, an exception might be for people who have a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a place for people to go that seems the right place. Like there's the places where it's going to be really hard to take your own life, right? And that mm-hmm. serves that purpose. And this applies to my own experience in a hospital and others I've talked to. Like there's, that's not the right place, it doesn't seem like. Like they're not going to kill themselves, right? But they need a break. And whatever that break looked like, whether they're setting goals or meeting with doctors. And I know that exists for very wealthy people. And I don't know what they call it. It's probably like some kind of retreat in Santa Fe, New Mexico, or I don't know. Well, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like a hot springs thing, but it's like, all right, you're just basically on the verge of a nervous breakdown. You need to just unwind in a very safe place, right? Right. But I'm wondering, this is not a question, but I guess it's a loaded question, really. Aren't we missing that big part where it's like, no, they're not going to kill themselves. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. But they don't. But but be, but they shouldn't be at home if they're like. Where do they go? Right, like some kind of like middle step, something in between right. fine and crisis. Because right. it's, in my opinion, it's kind of ridiculous that you would have to get to a crisis point before you get some kind of legitimate assistance. That's how we approach it, though, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's an all or crisis. nothing kind of attitude. Of are you in crisis? No. Okay. Well, then, fuck it. I guess you're fine. Good luck with your life. Oh, you're right. in crisis. My God, why didn't you ask for help? And it's like, really? Why is this zero to a hundred? <laughs> yeah. When I, you uh, know, I've shared this on the podcast before. I like a couple of years ago, which is interesting. Just works out. Maybe it was around the same time. My rage was like out of control. Mm-hmm. Right. I wasn't hurting anybody. I wasn't hurting myself. But it was, you know, like. I was flying off the handle like more than I ever had. And I was, I drive a car. I'm in North Carolina. That's a dangerous thing to be doing if you're losing it, right? I got pulled over by a cop. He let me go. Uh, that's a whole other conversation. Gave me two tickets. And then I went to my shrink. I was going to my therapist's office. And the dude says, you got to go to the hospital. And I didn't know if he was telling me to go or asking me to go. It was one of those like in-between things. But what got yeah. weird, when I went to the hospital. I was like, hey, my, my therapist told me to come here. And they're like, do you want to, you know, are you suicidal or homicidal? I said, no, no. Well, then we can't take you. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Well, and it's almost as if she was goading me to say the magic words. Exactly. But here's the thing, Danny. I'm not complaining. I'm just sharing. What's got interesting is when I, when I, uh, oh, okay, this is a bit of a game. I got you, right? Mm. Uh, and I knew I needed help. But when, when I was suicidal, then I was treated like you're suicidal and we need to lock your ass down. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I needed, like at all. It really made it much worse. And because they, they didn't have enough beds, emergency room. If you've ever been in an emergency oh, room, no. it's the worst place in the world, right? So you're taking somebody mm-hmm. whose rage is like off the, you know, and they, and they, and, they, and, they, and they, I'm mixed in with all sorts of different people, right? Like all sorts of problems. Yeah. And I just got, in my particular case, it was just weird. I think back on it, like my rage went from like very high to off the charts. Oh my God. Right. And now, they are assessing me. Do they need to stay longer? Well, oh, no. responding to these really bizarre situations, right? So oh, yep. it's got to stay longer. And in my mind, I'm thinking, and yep, and now you get to bill me another two grand a day or whatever it is. So the mm-hmm. whole thing was like really hard for me to sort of get behind and be like, yeah, you know, and I wanted help. I really did. Yeah. 
Um, just not like this. Oh no! And then you know, like this is not the vibe. <laughs> not the vibe. And I have the same stuff. I was there for a week and. Four and a half of those days was in the actual psych ward. And I had the same stuff where I was like, let's set goals today. And for me, it was hard to like get behind. Cause I'm like, you just feel like you're not an idiot, right? Yeah. Like I'm where's my child. autonomy? I'm a grown ass adult. And I know that they're under-resourced and they're doing the best they can. In, mm-hmm. my, in my room, check this out. In my room, I had a recovering heroin addict and he was hallucinating. Oh. And I'm thinking, this doesn't feel very safe, Right. So my whole thing, and I've never really used this platform to talk much about that because I don't want people to be dissuaded from getting help. Right. Uh, so it may not be a common experience, but it was very eye-opening. And unfortunately, I think it makes total sense now that I think if I were in a crisis, I don't think I'd go back there unless you know I was forced to. And I'm not sure I would be right. very quick to tell others to go there, even if they need it. That's like, hmm. Anyway, so and that sucks. You don't want to be left with that added, like that, like impression. Right. So that was my long-winded response to you saying, "Yeah, we the crisis model uh, has its Mm -hmm. place, but I think we're just missing a big chunk." Yeah, there's a huge puzzle piece missing. Your story reminded me. It's interesting because, I mean, I could sit here and monologue all day about like the stories from the four visits and all that stuff. Right. I I love monologues. (laughs) <laughs> I won't necessarily bog it all down with that. It's interesting because uh, my first stay, uh, which was a mandatory stay, and I wasn't here for it and all that stuff. Uh, I was hanging out mostly in the common room with someone who was a schizophrenic having hallucinations. He was coming down. I think he, some of it was also uh, drug related and stuff like that. But of course, I don't know his whole story. A lot of his story didn't make any sense anyway from him. So I was like, whatever. Uh, But, you know, when he first got there, he did a lot of sleeping. And then uh, they were trying to get him back on his medication, but he wasn't taking it. So he was getting more and more like agitated, increasingly agitated throughout the the stay. And I was there for like 12 days or something like egregious or just it was awful. Mm. (laughs) But Uh, And so he's getting more and more like agitated. And I was like, wow, no, this doesn't feel safe. I don't think you guys have thought this through. (laughs) We're all in this room. They just don't have enough beds, Danny. They don't have beds. They stick you there and there. I got home. I probably put, I swear to you, I probably put on like 15 pounds from that place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because all you do is eat. Actually, the food wasn't bad. I have to say. You have nothing else to do. So I'm just eating and eating. And I had, I met some really cool people. You know, it's always the stories I hear. It's like always the other patients who people really connect to, right? It makes sense. Oh yeah. The camaraderie between patients is a shining point. And then you, and then you pop and this is, you know, this doesn't really help anything. I'm just, then you pop with this bill and I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. how's, how's that going to help my mental health? Tell me that. Yeah. I still have medical debt from an ambulance ride from the first time. And that was years ago. And I'm never going to get it paid off. Well, this is, <laughs> and, and Danny, you're younger than me. One of the great things though about having really bad credit is you just stop giving a fuck. That's kind of what I decided. I was like, like well, you know, whatever, let me change just... my number and you can get in line with all the other bitches. I'm not going to give money to. I just don't have the money. If you, I, I think if with a state hospital, they could actually go into your bank account. I don't think they do that, but really guys, like, you're just going to bankrupt me. I, I, okay. But they haven't. Right. <laughs> All these things you're like, I don't know. That just, just doesn't seem to be, uh, you, uh, you made it through and there are a lot of people that don't, uh, you know, their, their suicide attempt, uh, they die mm-hmm. or they go to the hospital and things don't work out and they die. Um, mm-hmm. and you didn't. So I'm glad for that. Frankly. Thank you. And you know what? Honestly, I am too. And that's not something I could have said before. And that's pretty great too. <laughs> right. Right. It's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. People were hearing from afar, like someone hearing, I'm glad you're not dead. Like what the mm-hmm. fuck are they talking about? But I am, I'm glad that you're not gone. Even though I may never talk to you again. I hope I do, but I may not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's cool, man. And I, and I, and I, and I, if I had money, which I, don't but if i did i'd bet i'd bet some money that you'd be a real you're gonna be good at your job so the, the world would be better for it for it i appreciate that i'm gonna have to sit and remember that as i'm studying for my quiz tomorrow right study for your damn quiz graduate or you can't do anything 
and just yeah. make sure maybe that a couple of the high end decision makers don't listen to the podcast. I don't think it's a problem, but they may get a little in. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a problem. If I were hiring, I'd be loving you. Like, I love this. I love Danny. She's got it. She's, she understands it. But Thank we know you. some of them are like that doctor who talked to you in the hospital. And like, I don't know if that guy. Yeah. You no. know, anything I said here anyways is not something I wouldn't say to directly to them. So we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> Good. You, I can't say for sure, but I'm, I, I'm confident that you, you'll, you'll navigate the system, you know, you'll be all mm-hmm. right. Danny in New Mexico. Appreciate what you're doing. I know I already said like, Hey, wow, this is really cool and important, but, and I know like your, your whole thing here is to talk to other people, but I wanted to extend to you as well. Like that what you're doing is important. Thank uh, you. Like, you know, I'm going to school to go to therapy and that's going to be a lot of weight on my own shoulders, but you've got a lot of weight hearing people's stories on some heavy stuff. So, yeah. So good on you. Get good sleep and rest and drink water. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of water and a lot of juicing. That's my new thing. Good deal. <laughs> yeah. All right, Danny, keep doing what you're doing. And uh, I hope you I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and your support. Special thanks to Danny out in New Mexico. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Reach out, hello at suicidenoted.com or message us on our Twitter or Facebook pages at Suicide Noted. If you'd like to help us out, let people know about this podcast. You can rate and review it if you listen on Apple. That really does help. And if you'd like to make a financial contribution, you can help us out through Patreon. That link is in the show notes. Thanks again. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.